welcome back to another episode of J Crypto. Thank you for joining me on this road to 10,000 subscribers by October. We're halfway in the month pretty much, so we got some time to still fill out the subscriber count. Um, today's video, I want to have an open discussion with you, uh, ladies and gents, about something that Mark Cuban tweeted. So Mark Cuban, another a lot of these entrepreneurs who are themselves, I guess, are pretty dark, or if you think he's himself, if you think that he's a phony, you know, it doesn't really matter um, <laughs> in this video because he's talking about crypto regulation and he's spilling out his thoughts. So whatever opinion you have, if you think he's great, if you don't, it's all good. I am empathetic to whatever side of the poll you're on. I just want to have an open discussion. I did think he brought up some interesting points. So let's look at his, his uh, tweet chain here and then we can, you know, Look at your comments if you guys want to comment. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Any discussion? Of, so he starts out by saying, "Any discussion of crypto regulations has to start with the facts that there are already laws against fraud, and that crypto is not monolithic. There are many layers to crypto. Here are my thoughts, and all are subject to change as I learn more. That's a good way to say it. I think it's not monolithic. That's fair." It could be treated as something completely new. I could see how that point of view could be in place because it's a very disruptive technology. Um, I do think what he's saying is interesting. He says stable coins will be the first to get regulated. Why? The, uh, the variance in the definition by product. So that's the reason why. So what is pet? What is a peg? What is an algorithmic stable coin? Is it stable? Do buyers understand what the risks are? It needs standards. That's very fair. I think actually. Because there's been a lot of stable coins that have failed. And there's been a lot of stable coins that have succeeded. Like BUSD, USDC, Tether. And the these sub-definitions that all kind of, um, I guess, fall under the category of stable coins have drastically different meanings. Two, his second point, smart contracts are the most likely source of fraud. Interesting. Intentional omissions, undisclosed actions, lack of clarity by users. I don't think smart contracts will need to be approved first. I think they will be reported for fraud and will need certified audits to prove lack of fraudulent intent. And then 2.A, and that means in turn that the feds will not allow for anonymous smart contracts. Hmm, interesting. Someone will need to take responsibility or it will be deemed illegal, which may prevent offshore contracts from being legal if they don't register. Proof of authorship and identity could be a thing. So this was a very interesting sub point, but for those who have first heard, who have kind of for the first time heard the first point, let's talk about it. So he's basically saying that you, you won't need the, the halt of building smart contracts to get verified and approved by the government. In, in turn, you'll have the government going after smart contracts that aren't approved or verified or authenticated, if you will. This is because smart contracts can have programmed in them loopholes for a rug pull down the road or for other things as well. 
And what this would basically mean is that in order for smart contracts to be legal, they would have to, have to, have to, have some proof of author authorship, okay? So you need to know who can be held accountable if things fail, if the projects fail, or if it gets scammed. Who can they hold accountable? Who can the feds hold accountable? And who can the victims of a scam hold accountable? Now, 2.A was interesting because he's basically saying that, um, which in turns means the Fed will not allow for on anonymous smart contracts. So this is kind of interesting because since U.S. investors can potentially invest in a project that has smart contracts offshore, then what he's basically saying, I think, is that by have by requiring a proof of authorship for smart contracts or the project to be legal so US investors can feel safe and go into them, those offshore projects will need to also verify who they are. Now, this can be super, super interesting. And I kind of like this point. I think it's got a lot of pros and cons to it because a lot of the reason why projects go anonymous that are trying to do something good is they're small developers and they end up having control of millions to billions of dollars and they don't want to target on their back, okay? Um, however, this also means that we're kind of overstepping from the US. So we're going to deem any smart contracts, any projects that are not uh, authenticated illegal and investors in the US will know this they'll know that they're investing in something illegal which will provide regulatory clarity it will hurt those smart contracts that are offshore of projects that aren't verified um, however it probably would save some scams and rug pulls from happening uh, point three the downside to it obviously is you have a lot of good intent projects that are anonymous too and they just will probably not have a way to protect themselves unless he's thought of this and has a way for those offshore projects who are smaller to protect themselves, or there is a way, and I just don't know it. Number three, tokenomics are confusing and a ripe opportunity for fraud. How treasury is used, how tokens are sold and distributed, what liquidity is put in place, and what information is disclosed and how accurate it is. Like smart contracts, there will need to be proof, proof of authorship and identity. So tokenomics kind of, you know, are a sub, I would say below smart, you need the smart contracts to have the tokenomics. So it's kind of, he's just saying that, you know, tokenomics add to that confusion a bit. And that's why we would need that initial proof, proof of authorship to prevent fraud. Number four. If you require proof of authorship for smart contracts and tokenomics, the feds and victims will have a person or entity to sue or indict, probably at the cost of anonymous investors, but that's the price that will be paid. If a project does get scammed and there's proof of authorship, now the feds and the victims will have someone to go after. And when they go after a project that may have potential um anonymous investors, those anonymous investors will pay the price in the form of the token going down since the government's going after it. Uh, this was an interesting point. And then he says, five, personally, I think regulation built around existing fraud laws is not a bad thing. It will require proof 
of authorship and identity, but it won't hurt innovation nor slow anything down. It will open the door for more people to confidently use crypto. Thoughts? I think the only thing is, the only way, Mark, if you can hear me, that it will slow down innovation is, like I mentioned, unless you've thought of this too and you, you think that there's a way for proof of authorship to not really dox the actual developers, it will halt authorship because anonymous developers will be hesitant to build something that could potentially do very well if they're in another country or if they're in the U.S. and they just don't want people to know who they are um, because they're afraid that they're going to have this big fat target on their back. And the stigma around crypto too right now is that if you're a crypto millionaire, then you should be very careful um, since people will go after your wallets or seed phrases and things like that. So I think... You know, that's the only way it will halt innovation. I do get what you're saying, and I actually agree with a lot of these points. I do think that everything you've said so far from a blockchain perspective is very truthful. Um, but I think other than that, it wouldn't halt, uh, you know, I guess, innovation because you're just basically verifying these projects. In fact, it might enhance innovation. The one thing I will say though, is because you're basically kicking a lot of these smaller developers that are kind of afraid to build something great, uh, you will be opening up the floor to bigger companies and to probably the higher end um, projects like yourself, or I mean, excuse me, higher end, higher net worth entrepreneurs like yourself, or your company, or, you know, Activision for gaming, or, you know, obviously the NBA, things like that will take the real floor away from these small unknown projects that have developers, maybe a team of 30 great developers who are just kind of like middle class earners or wage earners and are afraid to start something because they don't want to have a target on their back. But I don't really see a way around it yet to solve that other issue where you're kind of putting a target on their back. Um, if you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't know if this video will ever get to you, but what are your thoughts on that? So that's my one thing. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This is Jay Crypto and Girls, of course. Once again, um, as always, I appreciate you guys for coming in. The goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers by October. Maybe this is the video to do it. Mark Cuban, if you happen to be listening, then for sure, feel free to chime in. I doubt that you have the time to, but that would be cool to hear. If, you, if you've already thought of that too, that'd be really interesting to hear. Um, all right, guys. Or if you guys also, my subscribers are super smart. So if you have any disagreements with what Mark said, um, feel free to chime in. If you agree with what Mark said and want to highlight some of the points, maybe some of the questions that I had and answer some of those, feel free to chime in. I'd love to read your comments. And uh, that's pretty much it for this video. Thanks again. Jay Crypto, I'm out.